Hello, this is Michael Melfi, and welcome to the Be Investable podcast, a series where I speak with innovative individuals who share their insights about what it means to be investable. And today, I'm enthusiastic to have Brooke Dukes on the show with us. Brooke is a corporate culture thought leader and expert and the president of Align to Thrive. She has worked with companies like the Girl Scouts of America, McClure's Pickles, Quicken Loans, and many other amazing companies assisting them with their culture. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you for having me. And Brooke, you do a lot with culture. We're going to be talking all about culture this episode. It's a fun topic. It's an interesting topic. It's an important topic. And I thought for our listeners, it would be great for them to understand it. And I think before we hop in to talk about culture, some of our listeners are independent contractors. Some of them are entrepreneurs. Some of them are emerging companies. We have some successful businesses out there. And I think culture, let's start out with, gets kind of a misnomer about it only really applies to big companies that are really successful. And what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, we work with companies of all sizes. And honestly, some of our best clients are the smaller emerging companies. Because what happens is they're able to really set systems to really get that culture set right from the beginning. So as they grow, as they onboard, as they create systems and processes that really must be aligned with the culture of the company, they've started right out of the gate beautifully with a thriving growth culture. So yes, it's very important for large organizations. Absolutely don't want to downplay that. And it's wonderful and really imperative for the smaller companies as well. That's great. And, and we're going to be talking about culture a ton. We should probably pause and take a moment to define what is culture? What does culture mean, Brooke? So the way that we define culture is that, you know, it's the people of the organization, but more importantly, it's the values and behaviors and beliefs of the people within that organization. So not just the values that the, you know, the company has on the wall, you know, a lot of companies have 10 values that most of the employees wouldn't be able to name all 10. And for sure, that's not integrated into the fabric of the company, right? But the true values that the people live by, the behaviors that are promoted within the organization, not the behaviors that they just say they're promoting, but you can really tell what a company values and who do they promote, right? Who do they let go? So the very true beliefs, behaviors, and values of an organization are what makes up the culture. And, and you're kind of alluding to that in some of your answers. And I would ask, why is that so important? Why, why is this cultural piece? Why is it taking the time to invest in your culture and do the training and programs so important? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but there's three main reasons, I would say, well, three very important reasons that we can talk about that culture affects it a great deal. One thing is it really affects their employee retention. Because the culture of the company is all about how people feel when they're there, right? So the culture of the company, if you have a thriving culture that is giving people, it's giving them a purpose. It's making them feel like they are a part of something. They're creating something better, bigger than they could ever do on their own. They're not going anywhere. They will say, as you know, it's so very expensive for an organization to replace an employee, typically 100% of their salary, to get someone hired up and trained in order to hit the ground to be able to move, right? So that's one thing, employee retention. Another is attraction. I know being in the Midwest, a lot of our Midwestern clients 
they really struggle with being able to attract top talent. A lot of times kids get out of college and they flood to either coast, right? So a lot of these companies are really looking at their culture. They're looking at how do we, one, we want to know what our culture is. We want to know the ideal culture, right? So the culture that our employees are going to be happiest and most productive in. And we want to be able to put that out there in our marketing and our branding as we're interviewing people, really let them know who we are, understand the attributes that we're looking for that are going to be most successful. And then customer service. So how you treat your clients is also speaks everything to the culture of your organization. It's so important. Culture really touches every aspect of a company. And even if a company doesn't know what their culture is or hasn't done any work on it, they have a culture. Even if they've not done anything with it, they have one that might be one that is working against them. So by understanding your culture and how to make it so that your employees are happier, productivity, everything is aligned, that's where you're helping your culture to work for you, not against you. Thank you for that. And, you know, I, some of my podcast guests, they're what we would define as successful or wealthy. And they, they talk about how their businesses have grown and they share their stories and their ups and downs and their challenges. And, and with most entrepreneurs and emerging companies, when they think of the investable, they think of money. And so there's an, there's this inevitable balancing act of, is it about driving the revenue? Is it about having this driven organization that's going to hit the goals? It's going to make the investors happy. And the other side, there's this, this thing called culture. And, you know, the, everyone talks about these great cultures. H- how do you balance that? Or, or what is the, the marriage between the two of those so that you can really ultimately achieve what you're looking for with an organization? Because so often it's based around dollars and cents. Well, ideally, the culture that you're, that's created is supporting every area, right? So it's supporting you. If you have, so let's say a, a company has a vision, right? And so the way that a vision is defined is, you know, a goal, a measurable goal set in time. So for instance, we want to be a $100 million company in five years. That's a vision, right? A company needs a vision. What the culture does is once that vision is set and you create the values, beliefs, and behaviors that you want to promote your employees to have, it's all driving towards that vision. So culture gets everyone focused on one thing, moving in one direction, seamlessly supporting the company in that area, right? So having the culture aligned, for instance, we had a client it affect their culture, it affected their bottom line so much so that they had a $91 million issue completely. And it was complete wow. culture that did that. And you made, you know, they brought us in because they had this $91 million cancellation rate. It was a, a surgeon's office, largest privately owned plastic surgeon's office in the world. When we started working with them, they had 35 offices. 71 at the end of it. They had a $91 million cancellation issue. When we went in and we recognized what that was, it was truly a culture issue that stemmed from their sales process. So they had infomercials. People would call into the infomercial. The people that would answer the phones would schedule them at an appointment at one of the 71 centers. They would then meet with a consultant and that consultant was paid on whether the surgery was scheduled, not whether the surgery actually happened. 
So as you can imagine, it created a very toxic, aggressive culture within all of these centers. So much so that people would get home, they would have buyer's remorse, they would cancel, or even if they had the surgery, because of the way that they were sold and the culture of this organization, even if the results were amazing, they would find flaws in it because they weren't happy with the way that they were brought into it, the way that they were cared for from the doctor, from the nurse, all of that, because it bled into every aspect of it. They were an aggressive culture. As you can imagine, that's pretty toxic in an environment where it's supposed to be nurturing. You're supposed to be helping people, making them feel better. So that's just one example of how culture can really hit the bottom line, specifically. So, Brooklyn, we're talking about culture. I mean, the the natural thing would be to say, okay, so we're going to throw a ping pong table in there. We're going to get some fun food in there. Maybe we'll do yoga on a Wednesday. If I could just think that going in my company, is that going to be what makes it work? I mean, at the end of the day, we hear all about those culture things. And so as long as we just kind of do some cool things, we we should be fine, right? Yeah. No, I mean, that might, you know, (laughs) be fun. (laughs) going to make them unhappy. And the beautiful thing, culture needs to be woven into every system and process that you have. Leaderships need to influence. So, you know, a growth culture that we speak to is called an empowering culture. Right. And so that's a culture where it's about collaboration. It is about speaking to people's potential, helping them to be the best that they can be, creating win win solutions. Right. That's just a few attributes of it. Well, having with that, those leaders need to be a role model of that culture. They need to influence in a way that promotes an empowering culture. Right. So that's speaking to that potential, allowing people to make mistakes, supporting them you know, in growth, personal and professional, all that sales process, you know, needs to be along those same lines, your marketing, your branding, culture needs to go all through that having a ping pong table or having, you know, Friday jean day, it's great and all, but it doesn't affect whether someone wants to come work with you, whether, you know, they want to stay and really be a part of it. It affects their behaviors, their values, their beliefs. Who they are needs to be in line with the culture of that organization or the culture that the organization is trying to create. Does that make sense? It totally does. And you've had some, and I know when I was preparing and, and talking with you, you've had some great successes in working with companies around culture, such as you know whether it be the Girl Scouts or McClure Pickles, one of my personal favorites at U of M, that we talked about was the idea when you and I were talking was this thing called isms. And I happen to know a little bit about those, but for those people who are listening who have never heard of that word or don't really know what that is, what is an ism and what's the importance of them? Well, with an ism, so back up just when organizations come to us and they want to work on culture, one, you know, we have to assess the company to find out current, what's their current culture, what's their ideal. One of the first things we do is one, determine do they have a vision for the company? A lot of times an organization will get the mission of their company, the why they're in business, right? I think Microsoft's world domination and, you know, you have all of those beautiful, flowery, wonderful things that organizations say and why we're doing this. I want to support the community, world hunger, all of that. Well, a vision, as I mentioned before, is very, it's internal. It is, we want to be a $100 million company in five years, right? So it's 
accomplishing something with a timeline set to it. That's the first step. The second step are values, right? So we spoke of that. So very important, right? So values, once you have the vision, you want to create, you want to determine what values do we need to embody to get us to that vision, to drive us to that vision. Right? So you want to, as an organization, you want to look at what are, what do those need to be? Well, then more importantly, right, you need to define those values, because teamwork to me could be very different than teamwork to you, Michael, right? Our definition of it. And more importantly, you want to make sure that the definition aligns with the organization, not just the individual's beliefs. You want everyone getting on the same page, you know, depending upon the size of the company, you want the entire organization to get involved. Or if it's a large company, you want one to two people from each department, because the big part of this is everyone gets buy-in. Everyone feels, you know, they're purpose driven. They understand where they're going, why they're going there, and they're doing it for their own reasons. So you pick your values, you define those values, and then the ism piece of it is that short, catchy phrase that embodies. So for instance, one of our isms is fun, or one of our values is fun. We know as an organization that fun is a fundamental you know, we have to have fun in everything we do. We enjoy the journey. We know that our ism for that is fun gets more done, right? Another one of our values is vision, but, you know, focused. The ism would be shark eyes. Then you have a graphic that's tied to it. Why we do that is because it gets, it's a catchy way for people to remember it. You can use it in your marketing you use it, you know, your branding, you use it throughout your office. And more importantly, you integrate those values and isms into the organization. You use it during onboarding, interviewing, reward, recognition programs. All of that is tied back to the values. Does that answer your question, Michael? It totally does. And, and we've talked a lot about, you've alluded to the, the company Align and Thrive. For, for those who don't know about Align and Thrive, could you share a little bit about who Align to Thrive is and what they do for their customers? Absolutely. So Align to Thrive was created in 2014. And more importantly, the sister company, Envision U, was created in 1995, primarily working in the area of sales and leadership training. Because back in 1995, no one talked about organizational culture. So we really didn't know until about we started working with uh, Quicken Loans in 1997. We've worked with, along the same time, we worked with ExxonMobil through the merger, Honeywell, Terax, a, very, a lot of large organizations. And what we found was, we looked at it, we were affecting the culture of the company with not even realizing we were doing it, right? So we worked with Quicken for about 10 years, along the same time frame we worked with the others. And Dan Gilbert was the, was the CEO at the time and the founder. He had a goal to be top five best place to work in Fortune Magazine. So that started our role in working on the culture of an organization. Now he actually made it his top two behind Google, right? And they 12 consecutive years and still to this day, they make that Fortune Magazine best place to work. So what we did during that time is we really started to hone in on our organizational culture piece of it, right? And we created a model called the IC8. And in about 2011, I actually went to a networking event 
and met a CEO of a very large Herman Miller dealership, one of the largest Herman Miller dealerships. And he said, oh my gosh, you're with Envision U. I'm working with three of your clients. He said, the funny thing is the first thing they say to us, they said to us when we are looking at the design of their office space is, whatever you do, don't screw up our culture. So I went back and talked to our CEO, Rod Hairston, thought, you know what, we might have something there. And what we determined was there was a gap in the market. And what that was is there was a lot of amazing cultural assessments out there. However, they were missing a few things. It was all about awareness, very academic, very sophisticated and complicated, right? And what our CEOs and our leaders were telling us were, I love this information. It's great, but I don't know what to do with it. How do I take this information and utilize it in my business? So that we started working, we went into beta for the next three years on the line to thrive and really taking all of our intellectual property, everything we've learned, worked with PhDs from um, University of Michigan, University of Arizona, and creating an assessment based upon our model and all of our intellectual property and created our cultural assessment. We came out of beta in 2014 and have been offering that to clients ever since. And it shows our clients from your employee's perspective, what are the values, behaviors, and beliefs that it takes to be successful in your organization today, your current culture. More importantly, what are the values, behaviors, and beliefs that your employees believe will make them happiest and most productive? It's your ideal culture. From there, then, you take that information and we align it with the various business areas. How should the leaders influence within that culture? Sales process, marketing, branding, even the design of your office space. So sorry, Mary, that was kind of a long-winded explanation of what we do, but I hope that helped. No, super helpful. I, I appreciate that. So, so for the emerging company that's, you know, five to 20 employees listening to this, this podcast right now, they find you online at www.alinathrive.com. They check out your website. They contact you. You can offer them an assessment. How does, that, how does an assessment turn into ultimately a culture that's going to allow them to be successful? What, what, connect that dot for me, please. So what happens then is their employees take the assessment. We have one of three ways we can work with them. They can receive a detailed report, really walking them through all of the areas that I described. So they can actually take the report and create their own roadmap on how to get from current culture to ideal culture. The other way that they can do it is they all of their employees can take the cultural assessment. They would still receive a detailed report and they would receive an hour and a half coaching session with a master trainer to really talk to them about the challenges that they're experiencing, how it relates to the report, and really dig deep into that report. There's a third way that they could choose also, and that's the more tailored version to it, where we would have a relationship manager do kind of a recon, right, with some of the leaders to determine what are the challenges, what are the outcomes that they're hoping to accomplish by taking the assessment. From there, all of their employees would take the assessment, and we would do a one-day tailored training for them supporting them and going through the results, you know, maybe doing a leadership training or sales. It really just, it's tailored to them and what their needs are and what they're hoping to accomplish. And then they would receive a tailored report after that. So there's three ways that an organization can participate with us. Gotcha. And it, it's, so, so it, this is something that the thinking that got us here is not going to get us there. My, my listeners know I love saying that. And so when you're, so you, what you're saying is you look at and say, okay, this is what got us here, but that's not going to get us there. 
You're telling me with one assessment or a day training, you're going to be able to get a whole team to start thinking and acting a different way. And I could hear some of my listeners saying right now, like I, I, I'm missing it. How does that happen? Well, it's all about awareness on that and absolutely not. So what happens is what they're able to do is put together a plan. So the organization itself can put together a plan because it's a standalone report. It gives you what you need to be able to determine here's what we need to do to move from current to ideal. And yes, it will get them thinking a little differently. Does it change your culture? Does that one day or an hour and a half? Absolutely not. But at least shows you here's where we need to go and here's how we can get there. And then also we offer if a company looks at their plan and says, okay, well, we need third party support in leadership training or the sales or marketing or branding. We can support them in that any one of those areas as well. Perfect. And as we get ready to wrap up, I got one more question for you is, is for the people who are listening, if they wanted to do something to cultivate or change their culture right now, is there something they could leave this podcast and start focusing on or looking at in their organization that could potentially start to make a difference for them? Um, let's see. It's a great, well, they need to take the assessment and uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, I mean, really it, it starts with leaders. So I would say for any company, it starts at the top. So really look at your leadership. Make sure that you have the interest of your employees in mind. Involve them in where you're going. Share your vision, right? So for me, we, you know, that is something that we're always, we always start. If a, in fact, we've turned down some, so, you know, that have asked us, okay, we've taken the cultural assessment. Now we want to move forward. We've turned down clients where the leadership was not going to participate because it won't work. It starts with leadership. So that's the first thing I would say. The first thing any company to do, get the leaders involved. They have to look at, you know, what they're going to do. How are they going to be the role model moving forward? I, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that one. And, and as, we, as we take it home, one last question. This is the Be Investable podcast. What does Be Investable mean to you from your vantage point? I think Be Investable is be of value, right? So if you look at... What do your clients want? What value do you offer the world? That's, to me, that's how you, you be investable, right? Make people look at whether it's, you know, internally, externally, look at where do you add the most value and put your focus there. You know, one of the main things that we look at for a company and how are they most, how are they most investable, right? how their highest value, the companies with the greatest culture have the most value. You know, they're looking at that now. VC firms are looking at that. That's something that you want to focus on. I don't know if that answer, answered your question or not, Michael. No, yeah, but that was, that was perfect. And I, I, the, the great part about that question is I don't know if there's a right or wrong. <laughs> and, uh, to everyone, it's a little bit different. It's kind of like what defines success, right? Uh, well, Brooke, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule and traveling around the world to work with companies to take a little bit of time and talk with us today here on the Be Investable podcast. Thank you so much, Michael. It was fun. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, there you have it. Another amazing episode of Be Investable. My name is Michael Melfi, and you're listening to the Be Investable podcast. Until the next episode, stay investable. In the meantime, check out our magazine by going to www.getinvestable.com forward slash magazine and subscribe for a free issue. Additionally, you can find more great content through our amazing media partners such as Cranes Business Detroit, Huffington Post, Michigan Business Network, Mishapreneur, Smart Hustle Magazine, 
and Startup Nation. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to talking with you soon.